Welcome to Dense in the Darkness, the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative. We empower pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America. I'm your host, Tim Madero from WRGN, and I'm here with NEC's president, Dan Nickel. This month, we have the incomparable Andy Needham with us. Dan, tell us why you wanted to have Andy on the podcast today. All right. Yeah. Last year, I got to meet Andy in person at NLS 21, which was so cool. Our mutual friend, Wayne Morgan, was like, yo, you guys have to connect. And uh, Wayne's just amazing at uh, making those things happen. So uh, I instantly could tell Andy's an encourager. He's really kingdom-minded uh, deeply, so super perceptive and someone who passionately loves Northeast America. Uh, one of the few I found. <laughs> so uh, we've just been talking and partnering a lot more over this past year. It's been amazing to see how God's using him and his awesome wife, Bethany, to advance the kingdom right here in the most unreached, unchurched, post-Christian corner of the nation. And can't wait to uh, get to know him more through this interview. Well, we are looking forward to talking to Andy about his story, his family, and his ministry. I've actually known Andy for about 10 years, and it's good to have you with us on the show today, Andy. Why don't you tell us about your story, your family, and the ministry that you had and are involved in now? Tim and Dan, thanks so much for, for having me on. I have such a great affection for both of you guys and what you're doing in your ministry, and we'll talk more about that as we go along, I'm sure. But I'll kind of zoom back into my story a little bit. Uh, I grew up in North Central Massachusetts. And I always tell people I grew up in a town that was so small. This is how you know you're in a small town in the Northeast. It was so small, it didn't have a Dunkin' Donuts. All right. So <laughs> that is, it's not streetlights, it's Dunkin' Donuts that tells us if we're in a small town. But yeah, because they're on uh, every corner in the oh, Northeast yeah. there. Now, now there is one there. So, you know. But did uh, it have a Dollar General? Uh, not at the time. No. Ah. So, I don't know if that existed when I was a kid, Dan, but, you know. <laughs> So anyway, the church I grew up in, I call it a normal New England church, 60 people, kind of a, a small town church. And the thing, there's a lot to that story, but the thing that I've always taken away from it, uh, when I was in elementary school, made a profession of faith, was baptized, they're like, all right, you need to start carrying your weight around here. Uh, and so I was grafted into ministry. My first ministry title was director of overhead transparencies. I ran the overhead oh, protector. Yeah. That's right. Some of you remember that. And um, the thing that that I feel like in my parents, who were incredible lay leaders, they kind of grafted this into me, but church was always a, a mission that I belonged to and a people. It wasn't just a place that we attended, and that's carried forward throughout my story. And so fast forward, um, I ended up in ministry right out of high school, thought I'd be at a, a small camp near our house, Christian camp, for a year. That turned into eight years of my life. Met my wife there, had two kids. We got married young. We were 18 and 21. I was 21. My wife was 18. We're coming up on 20 years of marriage this year, which is pretty awesome. Um, anyway, yeah, that season, um, it was a small camp. And I every year, I just got new responsibilities, started to learn the value of connection, um, creativity. I couldn't afford to hire a band, so I had to make one. Uh, and so that was actually the genesis of what would later become the Andy Needham Band, which we'll talk about a little bit today. And um, throughout my story, I've done different things. I've been a youth pastor at a church. Uh, I have worked in regional ministry, running conferences, um, but the heartbeat of it all has always been advancing the local church in New England and the Northeast. And I just love the opportunity that we get to be, I feel I consider myself a native born missionary and that's mm. really what my heart is. So family wise, now we live central New Hampshire. 
I have two kids. Uh, my son just went off to college this last <laughs> month, which is crazy. Wow. So he is uh, 18. Josiah is down at Southeastern in Lakeland, Florida. And then Mercy, our daughter, she is 16 and just started her junior year of high school. And so we're having a lot of fun. Uh, that is amazing. Now, I got to meet you because of, obviously, I'm in radio, the Andy Needham Band. And you were here actually 10 years ago this year in the northeast of Pennsylvania for a See with the Pole rally. And you and the band were here. Tell us about the Andy Needham Band days and uh, maybe some memories from that ministry. Yeah, as I've already kind of alluded to, the Genesis was a season at a, at a camp where I met these uh, different, at the time, was, we had a lot of musicians coming through, but there's a core that kind of formed around that. I ended up uh, moving down closer to Boston and I was serving at a church there, but a lot of invitations would come out to lead worship or do events at different conferences and camps. And at some point, my wife looked at me and said, I think this is a little more than a hobby. <laughs> and uh <laughs> So we went into 2011. I just remember distinctly going into a season of prayer. Um, we went all Dave Ramsey on our lives and got everything in order so we could actually mm -hmm. make the leap. And um, for three and a half years, uh, we traveled full time with myself and three other guys who are just incredible musicians and men after God's heart. And we get to do a lot. I mean, it was it was the independent band life. We did a lot of camps and conferences. We really worship focused, wrote songs. Uh, which was was awesome, but it was a you know wide array. Like we were doing the van and trailer, we we probably loaded in our own gear. We came there to mm -hmm. serve in PA, and and that was a good good event. And you know we'd get to open for larger national acts, and then other times we were playing for my mom and a couple of her friends at a gazebo somewhere. So it was the whole spectrum of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so well, uh, we did have the privilege of having you here in the studio doing some live music for our listeners, and and I love the fact that you use that as a platform for ministry because it is so important uh, for us to be involved in many different aspects. And I think it, it cultivates something in us as people as well, especially since you got the ability to travel the Northeast with the band. And I've uh, been there and got the t-shirt, as they say. I still have my Andy Needham band t-shirt. <laughs> why do you love the Northeast so much? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for helping me feed my family during that season of my life, because that's literally what you were doing by buying that T-shirt. But, um, you know, I felt like all that season, um, you know, there's a lot of things you enjoy with a band and and even band members get into it for different reasons, uh, even, you know, people that love Jesus. And um, but for me, the privilege was getting to see these incredible expressions of the local church that all looked very mm. different, mm -hmm. uh, even with different theological bents to some degree within the you know scope of the gospel yeah. uh, fidelity. Uh, and then meeting the workers, which I just felt like, I'm like, man, I don't know a lot of people get to travel and get to meet as many incredible you know, people that will never be featured in Christianity today. But, you know, in, in heaven's economy are making an incredible difference in local communities. And so yeah. that really was the resonance for me. It's what grafted me and kept me in New England. Eventually, the other bandmates traveled, moved to Nashville. And for a season, we even did it remotely. But I just felt this just strong, strong calling to, to the Northeast. And, you know, there's a lot of fun things we got to do during that season. Our local festival here, Soul Fest, we played every stage <laughs> that was there, worked our way <laughs> through that circuit. Got to open for bands like 10th Avenue North or Casting Crowns at different times. Uh, for me personally, as sort of a theology guy, getting to lead worship before Tim Keller spoke was probably the pinnacle uh, of it all. So. 100%. <laughs> yeah. that, that takes the cake. That takes the cake. No question. Yeah. So it's just a, a really beautiful, beautiful season. And um, 
the other thing that happened during that season was I started a worship leader conference uh, called Simply Worship 2012. And we started with a little over 100 people. And in the course of, of years, it became a regional uh, just event that had a massive impact. And we had as many as 900 worship leaders from the Northeast gather for a single day of training. And awesome. I really, I think what I started to learn through that season, um, and I, I love the creative expressions. I love speaking. I love leading worship, but connecting and being a kingdom collaborator, the way I've described it, a lot of my twenties was having a platform, but my thirties, and now I'm, I'm just over 40, but it was more about let's build a platform and let's put other people on, on the platform and let's be the person that is, is making the connections. And I've just found an incredible amount of joy. I just love the people that, that serve this region, um, carrying the flag and, and the name of Jesus. There is a lot of joy in being able to connect ministry leaders. It's something that we do here a lot at the station. We also do it through the Northeast Collaborative as we try to guide people to resources. And you are part of those resources as we have you here on the podcast today. Now, you mentioned that you got to go around and be at a lot of different churches. I have the same privilege as I go out here in the Northeast. It gives you a passion for the church as a whole, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, we're definitely in a season right now of refinement and and it's a challenging season for a lot of pastors and leaders. And I fully acknowledge that. Like, I, I mean, it's heartbreaking to see friends struggle or, you know, have walked through those journeys. And, but the church is the hope of the world. Like it's plan A and there's no plan B. Like mm -hmm. one of the things we used to say, whether it was at the band or seasons when I worked in nonprofit world or camps is like, Jesus didn't start a band. He didn't start a conference. He didn't start a camp. Mm -hmm. Jesus left the local church the messy, dysfunctional family, the bride of Christ as the conduit to carry the gospel to the world. And we get ourselves in a lot of trouble, even in sort of people who are entrepreneurial like myself, if we get that out of order, if we start to think like even things like um, the Northeast Collaborative, what I love about it so much is the centerpiece of it is the local church. It's not about the North. It's same thing with what I get to do now with Converge. It's not I don't really care about making a name. I want to make a name for Jesus. I'm not care about making a name for Converge, but the expression, the frontline ministry is the pastors and leaders that are doing the week to week work, much of it unglorious <laughs> uh, that are making an, uh, you know, making a difference. Yeah. That's what I got to see, especially over the last decade before we transitioned to Coraline. So uh, very similar yet different, uh, not a band, but more so just <laughs> uh, preaching, teaching, training stuff. And man, being in all these different churches and so many of them, just pastors slugging it out for decades, very, you know, not writing books, not being conference speakers, not being headliners for anything that's uh, flashy in our cultural sense, but being able to see their grit and perseverance and amazing fruitfulness. You know, I'm seeing these churches and leaders where the one another's are being lived out, right? And then a lot of the other stuff that we often glamorize, there's not so much of the one another's and there's not so much of the obedience to Christ. And you know what I mean? And it's it's not like it's always the same, but what I found is, man, especially in the Northeast, we have so many incredible faithful uh, pastors and leaders who need help and support, but um, the resources are not as prevalent and not as accessible as they are in other parts of the country. And so when we met last year, Andy, I was just like, holy cow, like this is so refreshing to have someone who has that same mindset of like, man, like this region especially needs so much more of those that resourcing, that support, that encouragement. And uh, anyway, you're just a major encouragement to not only me, but I know so many others too. Yeah. So I remember um, going back to the town I grew up in and meeting the the guy who's pastoring that church now. 
And he's a man of God. He's a good, good teacher. Like all those things I would say checks the boxes. But when I knew that he was going to be a good pastor was he was eight years into his ministry, which that makes a difference in the Northeast. And we went in to eat in a local diner. And when people walked up, people are far from God who are not people of faith walked in and, and they called him pastor and they knew who he was. And I realized like to me, and I think this is also a cultural moment for us now. So this is where the Northeast and post-Christian cultures can actually lead the way for the church. The idea of being a neighborhood and community pastor is more critical than ever before. And, um, you know, we, we need to really kind of recenter ourselves on that. And so I think I love the beauty of that. It's not always glamorous, but I just think it's so effective for the kingdom. I just went out with some friends uh, last year, like when we first moved to Cortland, t- uh, two guys in their 60s had just met them new to the church. Church is 220 years old. And we talked for an hour at the coffee shop. And like towards the end, they're like, Dan, like, this is incredible. I'm like, what's incredible? They're like, we've never done this before. I'm like, done what? They're like, we've never sat with a pastor at a coffee shop and just talked ever. And again, these guys are in their sixties and I'm like, wow, if that's like groundbreaking or earth shattering for people, right. Mm. Then I, you're right. Like this is where we need to head. Like just we're experts at complicating the simple. And when we execute the simple, when it seems so profound, I think that should tell us something of like, man, this is where we need to lean in on more than a lot of the flashy stuff that we normally chase. Yeah. Now, you both have uh, talked a lot about some of these local pastors. And you jokingly, Dan, said in the intro that Andy was one of the few in Northeast America who loves the church in Northeast America. But the fact of the matter is that there's a lot of small church pastors that are very passionate about the work that they are doing for the kingdom in their individual church. And that's what the Northeast Collaborative tries to do. And if I understand correctly, Andy, that's what Converge is trying to do as well. How did you get connected to Converge? Yeah, so I think that you know part of why there's such resonance here, one is the Hartford Kingdom of Collaboration. The other thing is, uh, I do think one of the enemy's tools in the Northeast is to isolate leaders and to, you know, I grew up hearing from the time I was very young that we're the frozen chosen. I don't know if you ever heard that phrase. Mm-hmm. And we can laugh at that, but there's actually an underlying message that I think the enemy has leveraged, which is this idea of spiritual poverty, that we think that we are always going to be a spiritually desolate place that our neighbors couldn't come to know Jesus. Mm. And, and part of, I think, what, you know, people like Dan and I have in common is like, we just want to one, celebrate and affirm the leaders that are doing the work, but also raise the tide of saying like, no, 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 we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have full access to God. And whether or not we ever see a full great awakening in our generation, I pray that we do. And I hope that we do. God can, but God is awakening hearts one at a time. He's rescuing people from you know, enslavement to sin and bringing them into the kingdom of light um, by the gospel. And so let's carry that flag and let's encourage people. And so with Converge Northeast, you know, uh, so it's heritage. Um, it, it, if you go all the way back, it was Swedish immigrants planting churches, like a lot of movements started within one group. The gospel did its work and it became multi-ethnic. Um, and uh, I grew up in what later became known as the Baptist General Conference, BGC. Mm. Um, and that movement of churches, they started the church that I grew up in. So we were actually, we were coming in like six or seven years into a church plant. Uh, so church planning makes a difference. I'm, I'm a living proof of that. Yeah. So that little church was a BGC church, uh, and which later became known as Converge. And then the church I worked at in West, uh, West of Boston was similarly that. 
And um, there was a, a movement of renaissance between uh, sort of the churches kind of reuniting. Uh, what I see Dan leading similar thing where churches are coming together around 2015, which is right around the time I was transitioning out of the band. And uh, the leader at the time, he said, Hey, would you come and help lead at our regional board level? And I was like, I don't know what, what it means to be on a board, but I'll come to help. <laughs> and uh, it was just really awesome to, to see our mission is to start churches, strengthen churches and send missionaries to see the hearts of the the churches start to look beyond the, their own silos, their own bunkers and start to reignite that vision of like, what if we did some things together? Yes, we all have unique contexts, unique capacities, but what could we actually leverage together? And I get to see that. I mean, there's a lot more to the story that I won't share, but see that grow. It was 85 churches in 2015. We're at over 110 congregations now. Mm. So there's been churches started, churches that have joined. Mm. Um, and I've been involved in a few ways. At first season, I was the interim leader of the movement. Uh, we have a great uh, regional president, uh, Tim Ponzani, who I get to work for. Um, and I stayed on the board as he led, and then he turned around and hired me last fall. And um, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of similarities. That's partially why we connect so well with what you guys are doing. And, uh, we just want to see ultimately to me, it's not about our, our egos or our logos. It's about advancing the kingdom. It is so important for us to realize that is the primary goal, advancing the kingdom. And you talk about big organizations like the Northeast collaborative or like converge, but we're talking about individual parts of the body of Christ who have the same goal in mind. And it's not about for them, the sign that hangs over the door, it's about bringing the body of Christ together and then working together for the kingdom of God. Don't want to get into you know patting each other on the back here too much, but uh, you also were excited about Northeast Collaborative. What is it about Northeast Collaborative that excited you when you met Dan? You know, I just, I mean, I've, I've said this to Dan, so I'm not covering any new ground here, but um, just the DNA of the the culture. Um, you know, I just sensed a very low comp competitive spirit, which I love to see in, in kingdom work and a very high affinity for mission. And this sense of, um, again, we don't want to just say like, oh, we have church has no problems. Like that's not the, that's not the, yeah. <laughs> in many ways, what you guys end up doing is gathering pastors and talking about your problems together. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, just this idea that truly we are better together that we can, can, can reach and, um, and I, I just love that. I love seeing, um, you know, my first exposure. This was literally like a couple of weeks after I started this job. Uh, I think it was Wayne and then our mutual friend, Matt Steen, who are like, hey, you need to come out, check out yeah. this event. And um, I just was like, man, this is what I want to be about. And uh, I kind of felt like, you know, just feeling the brotherhood uh, meeting Dan and the other leaders that are behind this ministry. And I will say, Tim, too, I know you're totally joking about patting each other on the back, but one of the things I have... <laughs> discovered about living in the, I didn't grow up in the Northeast. I grew up in the Midwest, mm -hmm. came out to the Northeast about 15 years ago. So almost half my life has been in the Northeast, which for me seems like a long time, but <laughs> I feel like this, this Christian critic culture mm -hmm. is so prevalent and we see it everywhere. Social media is kind of like the poster boy for it or poster uh, woman, but <laughs> regardless, it's like everyone seems to come to the table now, especially after COVID with, What's wrong? Where is this not going? You know, and and so I think that's one of the key things that I'm loving about Converge Northeast and NEC and just kind of a, a lot of leaders and pastors are, are really just trying to go, okay, we need each other, but we need that strategic encouragement where we're infusing courage into each other mm. and helping each other be who God wants us to be and do what God wants us to do. And, you know, Ed Stetzer says it so well. He's like, you know, before the pandemic, uh, collaboration was a, a luxury. 
after the pandemic, it is now a necessity. Yeah, It always was a necessity, but we are actually realizing it more. And I think the way toward that is what I call strategic encouragement, where we're infusing courage into each other by speaking truth and love. But a lot of times we think of that from the, again, that negative side. Speaking truth means I'm going to highlight the bad things. Mm-hmm. We do an off, I feel like generally speaking, we do an awful job of speaking the good truths into each other and verbalizing them. Instead of just taking them for granted, we need to actually articulate them to each other. And that I'm seeing that with churches. I'm seeing that with people who are like, man, uh, you know, yes, the church has issues. But God is greater and we can move forward if we can tap into this mutual strategic encouragement that both uh, NEC and Converge Northeast just want to pour gas on that fire. Yeah, because Converge Northeast, starting and strengthening churches worldwide, the Northeast Collaborative, we're trying to lead and launch healthy churches, healthy churches in the Northeast. And so it is a nice fit to work together. But at the same time, we are running parallel tracks here in the Northeast, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely overlap. I mean, there's things that uh, we, we, one thing that you know, we would be kind of grouped in as a denomination. We really don't function that way because we are an undergirding uh, organization. We don't have any authority over our churches. It's completely voluntary participation. Um, you know, some of our our strengths, we do have a lot more sort of like system resources, churches that want to do retirement plans or healthcare. Um, we have a lot of like those type of if you want to send somebody to be a church planner, Dan has partnered with us to send people. We have a great assessment. We actually the, the church planning assessment that Converge started was, uh, it still continues to be a leader. It was actually one of the first church planning assessment centers in the country in terms of yeah. that model. Yeah. Um, so those type of things that I think um, we get to share the, for us, even in the Northeast, we tap into a national resource because there's 10 other districts that are are doing great things and we share ideas and resources with them as well while we contextualize. So um, that's, you know, that's, those are some of the, the things that are a little unique. I think the thing is like, what I see, if I go zoom out, you know, there's a moment, there was a time when denominationalism was at a very high level and it still exists in pockets and there's there's pockets of effectiveness. So I'm not here to like knock denominationalism, but then there was a movement towards non-denominational uh, churches. And I think that that was a, there was a healthy response. Like a lot of things, the pendulum swung one way. What I'm seeing now, and I love this, the good news is younger leaders are wired for networks. And I say that plural because yep. they need, they want to have their local pastors group. They want to have their regional. And to me, it's how we best reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, our ends of the earth is to have concentric circles of networks. And, and so that's why it's not a competitive thing even with NEC. Like we want a complete NEC, not compete with, with what, what God's doing there. What I tell people, they'll, they'll be like, what is the difference between denominations and networks? I'll say two words for each or, or two key concepts. Denominations typically are about theology and control. And I don't mean that necessarily in a negative light. It's just reality. It's about theology and control with denominations. Networks are about values and relationships. And so that's why I think networks are on the upswing is because that's really more of, I feel like what we need more of, again, not that theology isn't important and not that uh, it isn't wise to have boundaries and, you know, things that kind of organize things well, But when you have a a centrality on values and relationships, I feel like you go further and you go further in healthier ways. And I think that's part of why denominationalism is on the downswing. Again, I'm glad you highlighted there are some positive things from it. Mm -hmm. But right now, I feel like networks are are centering on those two key areas. And we need that desperately in these days. 
I love what you say about the concentric circles because that that shows the local and then the bigger and bigger and bigger. And the fact is that the denominations sometimes are maybe located in the big city. It might be in Atlanta or it might be in Texas somewhere. And they can't relate necessarily to what's happening in the small church locally. However, the network can because we're all ministering together in the same area and for church planters especially those who are struggling as they just get things off the ground it's so important that they realize that they've got that support from somebody who's ministering right there with them is that why converge is split up into the northeast and the and the different areas I mean, some of it, uh, what I love about Converge too, is that we have this great heritage, but we also operate like a network. So the, the combination of those two things, because we're, we're, you know, we're not like, uh, we're, we're pretty wide 10 theologically, but I mean, fidelity to scripture, centrality yeah. of the gospel, you know, even things on human sexuality, Christian marriage, those things are uncompromised in our movement, but the expression of the church and how it's governed and different things, like we push that, we say that's, that's for the local elders and local leaders to, to decide. And so I think that that has set us up really, like, I don't, Honestly, and I'm not saying this, it's not me, it's a God thing, but I think God has positioned some of these networks like NEC right now, like most of the denominations in our region are on the decline. They're losing churches. Uh, we are, you know, I think we'll be at 150 churches within five years, maybe Absolutely. maybe longer than that. So it's a really cool thing to see. And a lot of that is churches joining. And I would just say this to any pastor who's listening to this, like you, it, you don't have to be alone. Mm. There are resources for you. Um, you don't have to join Converge. I, if you if you want to talk to me and and you f- have a better fit in a different network, I will literally text you the phone number of the leader. <laughs> I, I, love will, it. I will do whatever I can. <laughs> love it. Um, because I have lots of friends who are not in Converge churches, and that is very much fine with me. But there's things like NEC, um, and even these events like come to the the leadership summit, yeah. come to our annual conference advance, which is this October. You don't have to be a part. You don't have to be a card carrying member. But you really do not have an excuse to do ministry alone. And you need friends. This is a big thing. Pastors, you need friends who are not in your church. Uh, and people, and here's the other key. And this is what I love about Dan. I think you modeled this well. You already tapped into it. Just like in my marriage, I need men, guy friends who, when I'm struggling in my marriage, they're, when I complain to them about my wife or whatever, which, you know, God forbid I do that, they're going to press me back towards my wife. They're going to say, no, your covenant Pastors, yes. you need the same kind of friends that will say, yes, I hear you. I agree with you. I'm warm with you. Some of those things I'll help you, but I want to push you back into this leadership mantle of shepherding that God has put before you. And so though, I would just say that if you take nothing else away from this whole conversation, pastors, you don't need to do life alone. Mm, brilliant. Well, we don't want you to do life alone either, Andy. How can we pray for you and your family and your ministry? Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Um, I have so much enjoyed getting to know central New York and NEC and all the things that God's doing there. So, um, I just think, you know, obviously wisdom in how to invest our time and resources. I'm new to this job, so I'm still learning how to balance a different season of life and travel and, and all those things. And, and God's been really gracious and, and good in that a lot of transition in my family with, um, my son starting school, my daughter starting a new school, kind of walking through some of those things. And, um, I, I would say my third thing, which anybody who's ever worked with me and Dan, you'll probably resonate with this, but wisdom to move at the speed of the spirit and not at the speed of my own ambition. Um, because I have more, more ideas and aspirations than I ever will have bandwidth or resources to do. Um, and so fortunately I get to work on a team that helps, helps balance that out for me. 
Um, but I'm really grateful for that, but I always need prayer for that. We will certainly do that, Andy. I think anybody that knows Dan knows now why he and Andy connected so well together. But the idea of resources, that's what the Northeast Collaborative is all about. Connecting you as leaders with the resources and people that can help you in your ministry as we help to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America. Thank you, Andy, for your time. And as always, all the resources we mentioned in today's show can be found in the show notes. And if somebody you know could be helped by today's podcast, make sure you share Dense in the Darkness with them. 